Hello and welcome to the AFPT Comics Podcast, episode 226. My name is David Brooke. I'm here with Nathan Simmons. We're hey. here to talk comics, yeah. review comics, oh, yeah. talk to comics creators, yep. and more. Get money? No, not the last one. But that's okay, because uh, maybe the real money is the comics we read along the along way. Along the way. Very nice. I like that. We should put that as a slogan. New slogan. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we had a busy week this week. We uh, yeah. interviewed two two different uh Creative teams. Creative teams. Yeah. And um, one is going to air next week, and the other is going to air in two weeks. But this week, yeah. we have Josh Williamson on the show to talk about Night Terrors, First Blood, and also yeah. Night Terrors, the yeah. big DC summer event. Um, honestly, I got to read the First Blood book, which is uh, mm-hmm. FOC is today when you're listening to this. So if you're a comics retailer, make sure you put in orders. And I thought mm-hmm. it was a fabulous start. Um, yeah, that's what you were telling me. We got Dead Man, we got Batman, Wonder Woman, and in the interview, Josh, I actually straight up, I'm like, can you do an event without the Trinity? Mm. And he's, he immediately is like, yes, but, <laughs> uh-huh. and then he explains how, like, story-wise, they had to use the Trinity in Night mm-hmm. Terrors. Night Terrors, if you don't know, is this event where, basically, this new villain has used, weaponized nightmares, and so mm-hmm. all the characters, in only one night, the event takes place in one night, even though it's going to take place over two months... Uh, their uh, various heroes and villains will be yeah. facing their worst nightmares. Um, so it's a way to kind of do an event, but also get really deep into the character. I'm sure there's going to be some excellent tie-ins here because yeah. every single character gets two issues. Peeling it is a lot of books, are... though. Yeah, it is a lot of books, but yeah, it gives them an opportunity to kind of peel back the psychological layers of these characters and also right. play with some sort of what-if type stories as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've seen the Batman solicits, uh, Batman <laughs> is basically the omen. St- and he, has, I say this in the in the interview later in the show. He's like the omen child, Damian. like a really creepy little kid. The OG Damien. And then Batman is turns into this bat with a gun head. I mean, come on. It's pretty pretty rad. I mean, if I could do it, I would. <laughs> that's true you tell me that every week and you've you said that since the start of the show yeah i don't know why you keep cutting it out of every episode but maybe uh, it'll weird. make it in this week gunhead gunhead i'm like okay, i want to be a bat with a gunhead it's all right calm down um speaking but, of um, things that i've been saying a lot our first yeah. bit of news i think is something that we predicted around this time last year yeah so uh Possibly the biggest news of the week. Uh, Marvel announced Predator vs. Wolverine. It's coming yeah. out September 20th, the first issue of four issues. And this is a story that's going to be spanning multiple centuries. Of course, Logan is quite yeah. old, and thus he can fight Predator at different times, Love like it. when his Weapon X era, or when he was a samurai, or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, when, when Marvel re- announced they were taking over the license of Predator and Alien back in 2021, I think mm-hmm. everyone was like, Wolverine vs. Predator when? <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, I think so you and I had talked about this when they first got the rights, and then there was like the big, uh, you know, the uh, legal issues with 20th Century Fox, all that got, you know, uh, smoothed out. But yeah, I think I think we were talking about how long will it be before we see Predator versus Wolverine, and I think you said, I, well, let's, I think we can give it a year. I think safely... You know, Marvel will want to like ease people into them having the license before this happens, and I think it has been roughly a year. That's true. That's amazing. You remember that because I don't. That's funny. <laughs> both of us, if you don't know, I think we've mentioned on the show multiple mm-hmm. times. Both of us loved Batman vs Predator as kids. Oh yeah, big uh, formative comic for me as a kid. So good. The art so good. Just the uh, concept mm-hmm. of it and the way they delivered it was just so entertaining. So that and the was... potential. Yeah. I read that before I read Dark Knight Returns as a kid. And so wow. like that yeah. was my first time ever seeing Batman in like an armor suit. And I was like, this is the best thing oh, I've ever true. seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Sick armor with no eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how he sees. Just that sonar <laughs> suit, yeah. This one's uh, written by Benjamin Percy, who of course has been the man behind Wolverine for, gosh, three years now? Yeah, I think so, years? yeah. Uh, and then it'll be drawn by Greg Land, Andrew DeVito, and more, they say. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if like each artist will do a different era or something like that. I mean, that would be great, yes. So we're, the, the solicit says, uh, from the blood-ridden snows of the Canadian wilderness to the sword-slinging streets of Madripoor. Uh, that's awesome. And yeah, we sword see... Sword-slinging streets. I, love, I love this first cover that appears to show, uh, you know, Logan fresh out of Weapon X immediately mm-hmm. fighting a predator. So I think... We're going to see a more animalistic version of him fighting the Predator at some point, uh, which is which is going to make for a hell of a fight. 
Marco Cicchetto draws the cover, and did mm-hmm. you notice that the the Weapon X helmet is sort of like on his belt? Yes. Is that some? Is that something he does? I don't remember that. I, I don't always know. thought it was I just mean, on his head. Sometimes, like you know, you can, helmets get heavy. You gotta strap them to your belt. I love that he's got the Darth Vader buttons covering his <laughs> his penis. Like that's like such mm-hmm. a great design feature. Yeah, and it, it is a feature. It's not a bug. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, Marvel also made waves possibly bigger uh, when oh Jonathan gosh. Hickman spoke to retailers yeah. uh, about Ultimate Universe number one. That's right, folks. If you were a child of the 90s, you know about the Ultimate Universe. Well, guess what? Ultimate Universe 2.0 is coming. It's right. They, we, it, we've, we knew about Ultimate Invasion, this new miniseries uh, bringing back the maker and the Ultimate Universe for a, a whole new battle. But uh, yeah, it, it's all leading into a full relaunch of Ultimate Comics. Well, I mean, it, it'll be one series, which I think is probably going to help keep things a little more streamlined. But well, they're also they're saying exciting. there will be more series spinning out mm-hmm. of this too, which is crazy. Now, here's the crazy thing that I thought of. Okay, Gods is coming out around this around this time too by Jonathan yes. Hickman, which is his new series with Valeria Sheedy. And these right. are characters that are like so powerful that like they can just come and go as they please. Mm-hmm. What's the chances that these characters show up in six sixteen universe and this new ultimate universe? I, it could be like a bridge. That would be interesting. I mean, it, it doesn't. It seems maybe likely because we're we're really building. You know, we're, he's coming out with all these stories at the same time. So it, it and Hickman usually has some sort of grand design, right? Right. Uh, so that that does seem likely. What What's fascinating me about this uh, cover art by Brian Hitch is that we have, you know, Cap, Mm. Iron Man, and Thor as, you know, the ultimate versions and three characters in silhouette. Now, one of them is clearly a spider person. I would say the other one might be Black Panther. I was thinking of Black Panther. And then there's someone (laughs) with a little triangle head. (laughs) Drill head, drill bit. Well, I'm wondering... (laughs) The Transformer. It almost looks like the silhouette of the maker's... Uh, helmet, but the character uh, is too bulky. So I'm yeah. wondering if someone else kind of mm. takes his spot. Who has a dreidel head in the Marvel Universe? I can't say. <laughs> um, it could also be the Wasp, but I'm not 100% sold on that okay. either. Sure, sure. The The way they did the silhouette makes me think they're going to have new designs for these characters, mm-hmm. maybe. Because we've got, uh, as you said, the classic Ultimate Universe uh, costumes for Iron Man, Cap, and I had Thor. fully forgotten that Ultimate Iron Man's helmet was like shaped like Samus Aran from Metroid. Mm. But like, I was, right. yeah, I was looking at looking back at a bunch of that the other day. I think a lot um, of people are excited for this because yeah. Hickman literally revitalized the X Men after mm-hmm. it languishing for it felt like a decade. And right, I don't personally, I don't think uh, the main universe and you know when it comes to you know the Avengers or Thor. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in a bad place at all. I don't think it needs a reboot, which is probably why this is a separate universe. Well, and, you know, the the interesting thing about the Ultimate Universe in the first place was that, yeah, it was essentially a way to bring in new readers by starting from the beginning. Um, And uh, eventually, uh, the Ultimate Universe took on a lot of the worst aspects of modern comics where Mm. it's it's (laughs) heavily serialized, tons of crossovers, huge... Uh, you know, diversions and retcons, and it eventually became just as unwieldy as the regular universe, uh, which is why they obliterated it and just combined (laughs) their favorite parts into such a mess at the end. Oh Um, man. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that's the plan here is to, to go back to basics again, or if this is built for people who still have a real fondness for the ultimate universe and, and want to see those stories continue instead. Well, Hickman did say uh, when we made the Ultimate Universe originally, uh, mm-hmm. we were interested in was that it was a reflection of the world outside your window, which of yes. course is a famous quote. But then of he also course. said, in the moment that you were living in, what does it look like in the world we're living in now? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that really means. I don't know. And I said this in the AIPT Discord, actually. Does Hickman know as a 40-something-year-old man? Uh-huh. That'll be <laughs> I don't interesting, know. for sure. Uh, I'm hoping that when they reveal these new series, we get some queer voices and as far as art artists and, and mm-hmm. um, writers as well as younger creators too I, and i think hickman is definitely um a proponent of folks like leo williams mm-hmm. who's who's a younger writer and so maybe that will happen but it's a little It'll, early to say I'm, I'm very interested to see what we yeah where, where where things go from here 
it's definitely tantalizing to have this uh, notion that we're going to get a start of a new universe where there won't be a humongous amount of books. Mm -hmm. There'll be an easy buy-in. And that's what made the Ultimate Universe work so well when it was first launched, Mm -hmm. when Brian Michael Bendis basically gave us one of the best Spider-Man runs in Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. Absolutely. Um, But moving on, there is still more Marvel news. Marvel revealed Avengers Inc. is launching, and it's a crime-solving team. It's launching in September, mm-hmm. and the cover features Wasp with some sick wings and Vision in suits. Uh, Vision, <laughs> uh, yes, the uh, going by his former alias, Victor Shade. Well, interesting. Yeah. Al Ewing with the deep cuts, man. He knows the history. I love it. No, He'll this be is very exciting. It's it's a um, it's a mystery, yeah, mystery series. They they're describing it as a bunch of whodunits set in the Marvel universe. And they promise that it will uh, directly connect to Jed McKay and CFLO's Avengers. So mm-hmm. we're, we're expanding the Avengers universe, which is exciting. I mean, remember when Bendis had Mighty Avengers and New Avengers and Secret, yeah. Secret Avengers? Absolutely. Looks like Marvel's going that direction again. And we've got Leonard Kirk on art. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see a sort of, I don't know that we've had like a real noir Avengers mm. book like, like this in, before. Someone at Marvel was like, human target, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the Daniel Acuna uh, cover kind of has those those vibes, right? It sure does. Writer at AIPT, Christopher Franey, sent me a, a an edit he did where he actually mm-hmm. put the human target behind Wasp in this cover. I was <laughs> like, funny. there you go. You That's got good. it. Put that on the internet. People will get confused. I like it. Uh, and then in DC news, Kelly Thompson mm-hmm. has been literally making waves all week on Twitter. She's literally been trending almost every day of the week because of Birds of Prey being the announced. Blogs are blowing up. The blogs are blogging. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, each day for I think five days, yeah, uh, she announced a different member of the team. Yeah. Uh, so by Friday we got the whole team lineup, and the team lineup includes Cassandra Kane, Big Barda, Zealot, Harley Zealot. Quinn. And Black Canary, yeah. So uh, she has been pro- a big proponent of the fact that this is a, p- a team that will punch you in the face. This is a very powerful team. Yeah, no, I they're they're here to wreck your shit. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I love this lineup. It's so um, it, it, it's it's very it, it's not at all what I expected, right? Like, mm. and, and if you but if you want a team of people who are going to beat the crap out of people this is the team right like if if black canary's whole vibe is i want to knock villains out as quickly as possible i'm I'm getting you know an assassin i'm getting a i'm getting two assassins i'm getting a god and i'm I'm getting a a, a psychiatrist with a big hammer (laughs) (laughs) yeah the harley one is the only one where you're like okay i guess but you know, we got to sell mm. comics somehow. Well, she, um, I saw Kelly talking about this on, on Twitter where it was yeah. clearly a very, um, that was the one that I think they, they anticipated being the most uh, divisive addition to the group. Right. Uh, but I, I love it. I think that they look great together. This art germ cover is unbelievable. Uh, and uh, there's just, there's, there's so much stuff to, to, to look forward to with this team. I, and, and I have sincerely missed having a, uh, a good Birds of Prey book on the shelves. And this, totally. this, this creative team has me so excited. Uh, Leonardo Romero is drawing mm-hmm. the book as well. And um, if you go to aptcomics.com, there's a bunch of covers, including a really cool one by Chris mm-hmm. Batchelow and another by um, uh, Nick Bradshaw, which I think is an yes. homage of a classic cover. Yeah, yeah I'm, it, I, I'm all for this. And Kelly Thompson and, and, and Leonardo Romero worked so well together, uh, and in Jordi Belair when when they did Hawkeye together. So like right. this is this is like a, a dream team to see back together working on any book, let alone you know some of my favorite characters in the DC universe. Crazy timing too, because Kelly's literally wrapping up Captain um, mm-hmm. uh, Marvel next week mm-hmm. with uh, the fiftieth issue, which I think was actually supposed to come out this week, but it got delayed a week. Um, and now she's like already got this big team book coming uh, at DC. It. And this is actually her first official DC work too. So mm-hmm. she's moving over to uh, the other, the other the parting big two. The competition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of distinguished competition, 
DC mm-hmm. Pride 2023 is getting a second printing. If you missed Yay. out, it's sold out. It's uh, it, on July 11th. You can pick up uh, the second printing, and which yeah. has a, a recolored cover that was one of the variant covers for the mm-hmm. the series, uh, the one shot anthologies. And this was uh, this was our favorite book uh, last week or week before last. Whenever it came out, like we we both loved this anthology, and so I'm I'm we happy did. to see that it's like I was actually just telling you before we got on the call. My my local shop sold out, uh, so. Very awesome. exciting to see, like, there's been such a positive response to it. For sure, yeah. It's uh, we 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 talked all about that last. I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important for books like this to exist, and mm-hmm. great news that it's selling out, given the uh, the temperature in America these days. Also, Oscar Vega's cover is fantastic. Very, Met it's Gala, wild. Very like it's like Vanity Fair cover. Yes, and it's so it's so sassy. I love it. It is. It really is. And then our last bit of news, mm-hmm. uh, NFT news, everyone's favorite. Oh, hell uh, yeah. <laughs> DC Comics is expanding their DC3, they're calling it, mm-hmm. uh, with this promotion, essentially, mm-hmm. of The Flash. If you buy The Flash, The Fastest Man Alive, number one, digitally via the store, uh, which we talked about on the show a few weeks ago, we uh, had an interview with Kelly Porter. That's right. The writer. Uh, you can get part, be part of this thing called The Flash Enter the Multiverse Jim Lee did a video. If you look online somewhere, he talks about this. Uh, This whole promotion, this store of theirs is the weird one we talked about a few weeks or maybe months ago now, Mm -hmm. where there's a rarity. uh, You can get comics in different rarities, different quality. Mm -hmm. They're creating these like, obviously it's digital, so they're creating like this fake deterioration of books to make them more tradable or something. It's truly batshit insane i'm sorry <laughs> like, it's so weird and <laughs> if you don't know nfts are traditionally bad for the environment dc claims that palm nft uh offsets environmental uh you know to impacts d- yeah impact yeah so i don't really know how true that is because a lot of these um claims oh, they make about clean nfts are like future projections they're not right now. exactly it's stuff that we can't really quantify until down the line but the the hope is that they are more environmentally conscious but uh yeah i just i don't know the whole thing is just very odd to me i, I and i you know i hate to sound like old man yells at cloud but i just it's not it's not for me <laughs> right so uh through starting june 15th through july 6th if you uh, get part be become part of this promotion thing you get to, they basically took the cover of the flash the fastest man alive the flash on that cover cut them out and then just pasted him over classic flash covers which is, <laughs> which is a fun idea but yeah he's running more. through time yeah he sure anyway, is man <laughs> as you can tell we're not doing it so but not this uh, so you, know, you don't have not, to you not can. to yuck anybody's yum Exactly. Uh-huh. Speaking of yucking yum and yumming yuck, mm. in our next segment, Top Books of the Week, we're going to talk about our top two favorite comics mm-hmm. out this week. I'm going to yuck all your yums, and I'm, you're going to yuck my yums, and I'm yeah. going to yum my yums. Let's, my yum? yuck, yeah. let's yuck them up. I'm going to yum cup. my yums. Uh, my second favorite book of the week was Poison Ivy number 13 by G. Willow Wilson, Kelly Jones, Marcio Takera, Gillian March, and A.L. Kaplan. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, what's that? All these incredible artists on one book, huh? Which somehow I had not realized that they were all were all on this issue until mm. I was like midway through and all of a sudden I hit a Kelly Jones page and I said hell yeah brother like out loud like, like honestly really, really excited Kelly Jones one of my favorite I've reviewed his comics so many times over the mm-hmm. last 11 years and he's just so iconic the horror element mm-hmm. obviously he gets to draw Batman in this with the big pointy ears yes always a good uh, time this is the issue that they revealed the series will continue um, yes. after 12 issues. Thank and goodness. so it's a bit of a celebration of, of that, but also Poison Ivy. She's back in Gotham in this issue. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of making her rounds to see what's going on um, in town. So she encounters Batman, Catwoman. There's some other characters. Yeah. It's sort of like um, she's trying to get a feel for how she fits because yeah. when she left Gotham, it wasn't so great. No, <laughs> for and her, she left a lot of bodies in her wake. She left a lot yeah. of like broken friendships. And this is sort of her way of saying, I'm home. I'm here with the person I love. I'm not fucking leaving. Right. Uh, so get used to having me around. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Wilson's clearly writing the character. One of the best runs ever, if mm-hmm. not the best mm-hmm. run ever. And she's writing her so well, it's, it's hard to put down. So yeah, that's my second. Absolutely. Favorite. What's your, 
What's your second favorite? I really enjoyed In Hell We Fight, number one, by John Lehman and Jock. Uh, J-O-K. Not, not the Jock you may be thinking of. Uh, I... I Loved this book from Image Comics. It's a, a story about these characters in hell who are just trying to uh, get by. It's it's a it's just a kind of a fun introduction to this weird cast of characters, letting us know how they died, what kind of curses they've brought with them to the afterlife. Like one kid who was killed with an axe to the head can just pull unlimited axes from his head because he never gets to just not have it in his head anymore. Uh, One kid drowned, and so he's able to throw up things that are useful. Like It's really uh, dark and weird um, and follows these kids, uh, essentially, in hell trying to steal an ice cream truck. And that's the setup. Uh, I don't know exactly where it's going to go from there, but it's uh, it's it's very quirky and interesting and strange. Uh, our reviewer Ronnie Gorman gave it nine out of ten, uh, and I would agree. It's a it's a really great first issue that just sort of does everything you want from an introduction. It's 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 really fun. Has some really interesting and bizarre art and lots of gags, and uh, has me curious to see so like now that i know who these folks are where are they going what's the deal Mm, mm -hmm. i love on the last page is an ice cream that's like to be continued Uh (laughs) uh-huh it's it's great it's full little touches like that too it's kind of funny our our, this book and the next two books we're going to talk about have connections to hell in a sense yeah it was a hell week for sure (laughs) (laughs) my favorite book of the week was loki by dan waters and jermaine peralta um this is an exercise issue and i think they Mm -hmm. maximized every single page there's there's just entertainment from cover to cover and the surprising realization early on that the book is being narrated by spirits that make up uh, a boat that is going to be ridden into valhalla or valhalla no uh, yeah yeah uh and this boat, it's not really a spoiler to say, is made, because it's really early on, is made of the fingernails of those who have been murdered because they didn't give Loki any materials to make this boat. Right. So he dug up bodies. And so it's literally made up of like the DNA of these spirits. So wild and such, such a, a crazy idea. Such a Dan Waters idea too, right? Like mm. so it's the kind of thing he would have pulled in, in Lucifer. Like it's a very scary magical you know darkness kind of thing totally and uh loki obviously enters the story and he's in florida and Mm -hmm. we another spoiler i'm gonna just give it away we learn that he is the florida man in all the newspapers and whatnot i love that that was (laughs) a a lot of sense uh if you don't know loki is the god of uh, stories he used to be the god of lies yeah uh but he's taken on this kind of new more positive role he's actually a king now king Mm -hmm. of the um the uh, ice giants and uh, frost giants. What frost giants? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thor is in it for a little bit, but um, it all leads to Loki needs to clean up a mess, mm-hmm. and he's in big trouble by the very end. So I'm I'm all all on board for this. I think yeah, it's just it's got a mythical feel to it. I think Dan Waters, like you said, is really good at and mm-hmm. uh, art the art man. I'm like reading this. I'm like. This is like Russell Dodderman quality when he did War of the Realms. Unbelievable, yeah. Like he's just getting better and better. Like mm-hmm. I was like, damn, this is this guy's going to be doing a drawing an event soon. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. No, so what was choice. your favorite book of the week? Man, I loved Daredevil number twelve by Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto. I I got a to my great shame, I fell behind on this book, and I've been catching mm. up over the last couple of weeks, and. Uh, they they've really crafted a full arc for Matt Murdock that makes perfect sense for they've transformed his sort of sense of martyrdom and constant guilt into uh, a much more noble driving engine of wanting to right all of the wrongs that have built up over a lifetime of bad decisions and, and um, really, hones in on not only what his crusade has been from the beginning, but also how, you know, Matt, Matt's curse has kind of always been everyone that gets close to Matt Murdoch dies or is hurt or things go badly for them. He's, he's bad to have around, you know, that's sort of, sort of the guiding star of the Kevin Smith and Ed Brubaker years. Uh, it, it, you know, it, and they tell wonderful stories out of that. Mark Wade's run very much is, you know, Matt is 
bad luck, but he's trying to turn it around or he's trying to, you know, find the positivity there. And in Chip Zdarsky's run, we learn that Matt is a force of darkness, but he's also so single-minded in his pursuit of justice that he, he does eventually make people better for having known him. Uh, I, 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 I just love the narration in this issue, especially as it pertains to Matt thinking about Electra and how much he loves her and how they are, they've essentially become, they're two elemental forces basically at this point. Uh, and without spoiling anything, yeah, there are, there are some really incredible things towards the end of this book that have major ramifications for the character going forward. I mean, we already know Saladin Ahmed and, and Aaron Cooter are taking over after this run is completed. They're going to have their work cut out for them, figuring out what's next for the devil of hell's kitchen. <laughs> uh, yeah. How do you raise the stakes any more than this? <laughs> absolutely. Or, or even continue the story, you know, not to, not to spoil anything, but like this is, this feels like a, we're heading towards, you know, an exclamation point at the end mm. of a story. You know? mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And, uh, man, I can't wait to see how this all ends. Uh, I, I, we've got two more issues left, I believe. Yeah. With, yeah. with this, with this team. Right. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Even though Zadarsky has been writing Batman for a year now or so. Something like that. Yeah. He's, he's not missing, man. He's at no. the top of his game. No, he doesn't miss. Yeah. It, it's, it's, this is, this is an all timer daredevil run for sure. I, I just, I absolutely love everything about how the character is presented here and uh, they really understand what, what drives him. Daredevil has to be one of the superheroes, especially like vigilante, you know, street level superheroes yeah. that has had some of the tightest, just impactful runs like mm-hmm. Bendis and Malieve, for instance, just like I own that whole hardcover yeah. uh, collection. It's just so good. I feel like and now we have this. People go into Daredevil with a take. Like, I really do. Mm. I think he's one of those characters Charles that really, really inspires, inspires something in writers where they, they, right. they come into Daredevil, uh, and come into writing Daredevil knowing what they want and how he speaks to them. Uh, there's something about the character that really, really brings that out of people. Totally. And it's, it's probably easier to get away with a really good singular run versus yeah. like Batman because Batman has a humongous family, tie-ins, crossovers. You can't get that iconic run necessarily. I mean, even Zdarsky's kind of fighting mm-hmm. that with all these events happening and stuff. So Totally. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about. Moving on to our next segment. Standout. Kapow! Moment of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Nathan, I think just... Uh, Swallowed the mic there. I, yeah, sorry about that. I, 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 that was the symbiote in me. Oh, shoot. Oh. I got that dog in me. Uh, what was your favorite moment of the week? My favorite moment of the week came from Spider-Man number nine by Dan Slott and Mark Bagley. Uh, I laughed out loud at this panel uh, of Peter and his family and friends all around the table sharing a meal together. And they're talking about Norman Osborn, uh, who shows up at the door with a can of cranberries and says, I had to beat an old lady with a stick to get these cranberries, which is verbatim a line from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man that Tobey Maguire says. And it's not enough that we drop this reference. Norman's literally winking in this panel. Like it it made me, I could, we did it. The sheer audacity. You know what we did? Yeah. That's funny. The only thing that's missing from this is him trying to put his finger in like the cranberry sauce and Aunt May just smacking his hand. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That would have been amazing if they added that too. I love it. But yeah, it just, it made me laugh. I, I, I love, I love those movies and I, Mm -hmm. the, the fact that they just went for like a memeable moment is very funny to me. My favorite uh, moment comes from X-Men 23 by Jerry Dugan and Joshua Cassera. This yeah. is a action-packed issue and sync. For sure. And the X-Men are fighting a Iron Man Sentinel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's happening. And uh, Sync is looking up. If you go to aptcoms.com, go to this podcast post, you can see the art in full. We know you can only hear our words, not see mm-hmm. them. But uh, <laughs> Sync is uh, looking into, uh, there's like a shadow over his face because he's about to be pummeled by a Sentinel. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he is smashed. There's a bone sticking out. Yeah, uh, he will die. He will. You know he will die. And luckily, though, uh, Wolverine, she shows up, touches him, and is like, "I'm here. Don't try to talk. Our teammates are covering for us. Just heal." Like, because they're in a love affair. If you don't yeah. know, 
this is the uh, Wolverine f- that was trapped in the vault. So this is a, a there's actually two running around. But anyway, she also um, is like coaching him through what yeah. order what order to regenerate in, which I think is yeah. really interesting. Like she's done this enough times that she knows. Okay, start with the bones. <laughs> It's a brutal scene, but it's also a reminder, like, yeah, Sink can get any power as long as mm-hmm. he's near them or remembers them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't mean he can't die, because this is a tight one. Like, he literally probably has seconds to live, so he right. has to start healing in the right order or he could die. Yeah, so it's, it's wow, it's a, it's a nice reminder that sometimes superheroes are too overpowered, but in other cases, that you can you can hurt them. Yeah, know, absolutely. Give them a chance. No, I, uh, that's, moving... that's, a great, that's a great choice. Thanks. Now, moving on to our top books of the week mm-hmm. for next week. Sorry, we're going to talk about our most anticipated books uh, next week. I can't wait for Zeno number one by yeah. Oni Press. This is a very weird sci-fi anthology. Yeah. And you know me. I love anthologies on this show, but uh, they're, they're swinging for the fences with some of these stories, and that is a really good thing. This is We're not getting the same old, same old with this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously, as an anthology, there's various car- um, creators involved, but mm-hmm. um, Oni's been pushing this one hard for quite a few months now. And mm-hmm. I think they know they have something really special on their hands with this. So I can't wait to read it. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by they're They're sort of going for like a black mirror kind of vibe, but also mm. different, different types of, like you said, different types of weird science, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like one of the stories is about an intravenous video game system. Which mm. is such a, such an insane <laughs> word or such a crazy collection of words. Uh, really? Yeah, I'm, that, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interest, and the art is really cool too. I'm just flipping through it right now, it looks, and it's, uh, looks it's really good. Forty pages. They're doing three mm-hmm. of these to start with, so hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll do well, and we'll get more. Totally love anthologies. What are you, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to Void Rivals, number one by Robert Kirkman and Lorenzo De Felici. Um, I won't be talking about. Uh, be careful when you're on Twitter this week mm, because some mm-hmm. people thought it would be very cool to spoil uh, a, a very potentially fantastic reveal uh, mm. in comics. Um, but uh, this is uh, the launch of a new series from the Oblivion Song creative team uh, following two warriors who crash land on a planet and have to uh, work together in order to survive. Um, I think... Is it safe to say that we that we have the interview coming up, or are we allowed to yeah. say that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, without getting you know into all the big reveals and everything in this book, uh, we do have Robert Kirkman on the show uh, mm-hmm. next week, next weekend, uh, mm-hmm. talking about this book, and I think people are really going to dig it, not just because of what it's leading into, but because of. Uh, how well crafted these characters are just from the start. You know, mm. we've we've both read this first issue, and I I think it's exactly the it it has it has classic Twilight Zone vibes to me in a lot of ways. You know, this mm-hmm. this idea of we're not really even sure what we're fighting for at this point, but how do you trust somebody with your life when they've been trained their entire life to kill you? Uh, yeah, you're at war. Mm-hmm. Right away, that is such a great concept. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where Void Rivals goes from there. But first of all, I'm excited to see how people respond to this first issue. Yeah, it's unfortunate that there are spoilers out there because, yeah, it's it would have been more impactful, I think, mm-hmm. if it was a complete surprise. But yeah, if you go to aptcomics.com on Wednesday, a mm-hmm. written piece of part of our convo will be available to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're going to get the full interview next Sunday. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, listening back to that. That was that was a really fun time. Yeah, hopefully he comes on again too. I think he had a good time with us. I think it so. It was short. It was short. It was yeah, because and and you know it was one of those one of those uh, media day things where he was just he he'd probably been there for a few hours before we got to him. So hopefully <laughs> right. at some point we can get him when he's fresh faced and bushy tailed. <laughs> In that order. In, In yeah. our next segment, mm-hmm. judging by the cover, Junior. The Tom Waits version. Cover art. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, this is our favorite cover art out next week, yeah. um, which you can see in the feature image of this podcast. Absolutely. I really liked Torin Clark's. I really like Torin Clark's everything, honestly. Absolutely. That Silver Surfer Planet of the Apes cover. Come on. So good. But uh, I picked Black Panther number one, his cover, the main cover for mm-hmm. this book. Um, I just love the lighting of it. Uh, Black yes. Panther in this new costume that's a bit, uh, I don't know, roguish. It's. 
If there's like straps across the chest, there's of course a pouch on the leg. You gotta have it. White cape. Mm-hmm. Black Panther is on the run, um, and there's even like a wanted poster that's floating in the um, foreground, which is yeah. really cool. But just the angle of it too is really cool. It just creates this mystique of Black Panther. It's got a spear, but they're also in the city. Yes. So <laughs> this is another one of my favorite or one of my most anticipated books for next week. Just the I mean, and this this tells you everything you need to know, right? Like he's in he's in the spotlight, he's clearly in hiding, and he's mm-hmm. still just like, I'm gonna keep fighting for my people. That rules. And you know, not to compare apples or oranges or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's been a minute since I really loved Black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, the writing of it, and mm-hmm. Eve L. Ewing is fantastic. So, like, mm-hmm. I think we're going to be in for a treat, and it's nice that we're getting, like, a new take. Definitely. Since it's, it's been a, a minute since since we have had one, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think it's always good to, to shake things up, for sure. What is your favorite cover out next week? I love the cover art for Doctor Strange number four. It's a variant cover by Marcos Martin. Uh, and this shows Clea and Stephen Strange in multiple iterations over the over the decades uh dancing uh, just i'm a sucker for uh, look i've talked about this on the show i love that stephen strange is a wife guy i just think that's great and (laughs) and it's just there's something so romantic about the fact that they have been a constant for one another for so long i mean yeah we see this very ditko-esque version of them in the back uh, then we, you know, we get to the '80s version. We even have the Harvestman and you know Sorceress Supreme version dancing together, um, all while moving through the dark dimension. Uh, very, very bizarre. Backgrounds. The tentacles. The, the, lots of tentacles. <laughs> lots of eyes where eyes shouldn't be. Um, mm-hmm. This is just a yeah. This is uh, this encapsulates so much about what I I love about their relationship in one image. Nice, nice cover, dude. Yeah. Nice thanks. pick. I wish I had drawn it, but it didn't. <laughs> I wish I could draw. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and in our last segment, join us as Josh Williamson talks all about Night Terrors, the big DC summer event. That's right. Get the inside track on the biggest thing DC's putting out this year, probably. Sort of. Maybe I don't know. Dawn of, Dawn of DC is technically... Bigger. It's all part of it. It's all together. It, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> we live in a society. We do. <laughs> Enjoy I don't know how you do it, man. You've got so many books going with Night Terrors, the tie-ins, Dark Ride. So good. And your Substack? Well, I actually helped with the Substack. So, I mean, that's <laughs> all right, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, and all my social media stuff is run by uh, somebody else. So it's like something up. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, yeah, then I have Superman and Batman and Robin and Green Arrow. I just don't sleep, dude. That's really Damn. We're here to talk about Night Terror's uh, First Blood, and I've got to read it. I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the art, sick. Uh, I love how you cover so much ground with the Trinity, the setup, uh, this new villain. Um, and it also feels like you're fleshing out a kind of a new corner of the DC universe. But, you know, I'm not an expert on the DC universe like you. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But uh, is that true? Are you kind of building out some kind of dream nightmare element even further than what it was before uh we do want to play around that world and sort of put some new pieces on the table that we'll explore next year you know we definitely wanted to sort of uh change things up a little bit in a couple places um but we're not trying to build necessarily a whole new corner but i I definitely wanted to use this space to build some new toys you know it's like yeah you know and so much that's one of the goals of this year as part of dawn dc is that like so much of dc comics always comes down to like the justice league you yeah, know yeah um this is actually a point that like dennis culver has when he worked on doom patrol is he's like doom patrol like we need more pillars in the dcu we need more like corners as yeah. you say right and it's yeah. like, so he's like well i'm gonna have a doom patrol corner you know and it was like with this it was like you know i think dc has a really strong horror corner but all the horror stuff has been out of continuity you know it's all mm-hmm. these like awesome things like to see DC versus vampires, but those take place out of the canon, you know, they don't, they take place out of core. So with this, it was like, we need to do more horror stuff that takes place in the core and build out that world a little bit more because DC horror has been so fleshed out, but not in the core line as much, like not since Justice League Dark. I think James and Justice League Dark was really the last time that, that corner was like really explored. Like people right. touch on it, you know? Like everyone will do a little arc here or there that kind of plays around with it, but to really just to develop that little piece of the world, we wanted to spend a little bit of time there. That's where we focus on having Dead Man and having, you know, the obviously new villain with Insomnia. Mm-hmm. 
God, I think I spoke to James about Justice League Dark when I was at San Diego Comic-Con, like, seven years ago. Yeah. It's insane. Forever ago. Yeah, the pandemic has just put this incredible, like, gap, um, extending things. Um, so the Trinity show up in this issue, and we get, they get a lot of focus. How important are the Trinity, in your mind, to the DCU? Are they a must-have in any event like this? No. Uh, I mean, here's the thing, right? So, like, and this is part of why they're here. I was really candid with you. It's like, you know, I did Dark Crisis. Dark Crisis focused so much on the new characters, right? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's it's pretty wild. And this is actually one of the points of Dark Crisis was, you know, when you go back and you look at some of these major events that DC has done, they always involve the Trinity in some form or another, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, both Metal and Death Metal were really about the Trinity, you know, Doomsday Clock's about Superman, Infinite Crisis is about Superman, Final Crisis is Superman and Batman, you know, and Wonder Woman. Like, when we, so we started putting it together, Dark Crisis, it was like, I want to see an event from somebody else's point of view, you know? And so that's where it was like John and Nightwing, you know, we, we started right. bringing in Black Adam. It was like, let's tell a big giant, like, you know, the biggest kind of event you could do, which is a crisis event, but let's not involve the characters that you normally see. And if you go back and look at the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's very much the same thing. They didn't really focus a lot on those characters, right? They, mm-hmm. they definitely come into the story, but it's about other characters. So I wanted to play with them. But after doing that, we came to this. I also wanted the story to be smaller. Like I still want to have really big stakes. But I want there to be a more, just like a more intimate focus, and that sort of played into the role of like nightmares because nightmares are not really intended to be taken literally, right? Like sometimes right. they can be, but it's it's supposed to be about like something internal is trying to tell you something, right? Mm-hmm. And and so the, you know I started talking about dead man and wanting it to be like one person's point of view and that being dead man. But as I started looking at it, I was like, you know, we started talking about the art and the characters and we kept coming back around to Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman in the conversations. And I was like, you know what? They have to be up front with this because if you're doing a big story with the DCU, I feel like you should have their point of view on it as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it was interesting because at first it was like almost a mercenary reason to have them where it was like, we're doing a big story. We should use Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. But then as I started working on it, I was like, no, this actually makes sense. There are story reasons why this is happening. There's story reasons why they're here. It isn't just because we want to put them on a cover. It actually became like logistical, like story thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but to answer your question, like, no, I don't think you have to. But I think once you start developing the story, in this case, it actually worked out, you know? Because at one point I was like, oh, it's only going to be Batman and Dead Man. There was a conversation of like, this is a Batman Dead Man story. And then I was like, no, it can't be we need to go a little bigger. And right. and then I was like, but and it's funny because I wrote myself into a box, right? Because there is no Justice League right now. So it's <laughs> like, okay, well, how do you tell a story where there's no Justice League that's this big? And then it was right. like, well, the Trinity, the Trinity. Right, right, right. Uh, so that's like my my cheat. And then it became part of the story. There is no Justice League right now, you know? So what is a Hall of Justice for? Mm. And then everything started coming together, mm-hmm. you know? Like it all started coming together and, and uh it just worked out. And then having the three of them in it, um, and also the fact that they kind of talk about this, they haven't seen each other in a while in the issue, mm-hmm. you know, is true because they haven't seen each other in a while, you know? So it, it all just sort of added up on, like, a story reason. And because this is a big piece of, like, the dawn of DC narrative, to have it be where it's, like, the three of them are involved, it just it just makes sense. Nice. That's a good answer for those haters out there who are like, oh, the Trinity again. Um <laughs> Which I don't think is is valid. A valid. I mean, really, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always think it's funny. It's like you know, whenever there's like uh, Gotham is in danger, I see people being like, "Oh, Gotham's in danger again." I'm yeah, like, yeah. Dude, the yeah. whole point of Gotham is that the whole city's in danger. <laughs> honestly, I I see a lot of a lot I mean, of. The, I also the... want to be like. Yeah. Well, I I want to be like, where were you during uh, Contagion? Yeah. Catechism, No right. Man's Land. No Man's that Land. That was yeah. like five years of our lives, man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I see a lot of the criticism on like yeah, Reddit. Yeah. One of the one of the things I saw was like, ugh, why is Harley Quinn always being stuffed into these events? And I think after reading, you know, Night Terror's First Blood, I was like, oh, it kind of makes logical sense why she's in this story. Um, yeah. And and like your answer, yeah, yeah. like you give it's a story reason. You're not just stuffing them in because they're in a movie you know, next month or whatever. No, no. I I really actively try to avoid that. Like, 
you know, it's funny with Dark Crisis because I remember there was some sentiment of like, oh, well, he's playing such a big role in Dark Crisis because there was a movie coming. And that was never the case. Like, it right. was about, you know, we had spent a lot of time. Like, if you go back to the beginning of Infinite, uh, Infinite Frontier, like, Ben has spent time having Black Adam be a member of the Justice League and having right. this sort of opinion. And it was like, that was the reason. I remember having this conversation with Brian. Man, I long, like, I was, I was, God, I don't think I had even written issue one yet. And I was talking to Brian and Brian was like, you know who should play a role in this is, and people don't believe him is Black Adam. And at first I was resistant to it. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't know. And then, but then as you start talking about it and you let the characters guide you, and that's how it right. is here too with this event. It's about letting the characters, and this, I, I feel like this event is much more character-based. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I try to make it, like, I, I try to make Dark Crisis have a lot of character stuff, but it was also, it's a crisis, so there's big explosions. With this one, because the entire event actually only takes place in one night, right? Like, one night. All of it nice. takes place in one night. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all in one night. And so because it's all in one night, it allowed us to really spend a little bit more time with the characters themselves and like what is going on with them right now in the DCU, right? Like it's almost like this event is almost like a check-in for what is going on with these characters in Dawn of DC, right? Okay, it's like where it. are all these characters at right now emotionally in the Dawn of DC storyline? Because mm-hmm. it's like you look at what Jeremy Adams is doing with Hell Jordan and Green Lantern, and then that, mm-hmm. you know, this is a bit of a spoiler, but it's like issue two goes right into Night Terror. You know, it's like, right, so right. It, it definitely delves into like what is going on with them. And, you know, with Superman, <laughs> it's the same thing of like, this is what's happening with him right now, you know? And so right, I was able right. to play around with a lot of those pieces of like, where are these characters at on an emotional level right now in, in DC like, today? Right. And then those things will then splinter off into stuff that happens afterward. Right, right. That's it. It's so interesting. Again, I keep going to Reddit. <laughs> I've been seeing all these people go, oh, everything's on pause for two months because of night terrors but what you just said is like the perfect answer to that person who says that yeah i wouldn't say it's a pause you know it's it, it is interesting i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a pause at all i mean it's sort of like yeah it's it's continuing those stories like the elements that are happening before they continue afterward mm-hmm. you're definitely gonna if you decide to take the two months off and you get to the other side there are gonna be things you're like wait what happened right, right like right. you are gonna have a bit of that's that. important so you know, I think you do have to carry through with it. You know, we didn't want the stories to feel, still feel self-contained at the same time. I mean, I think that mm. was one of the biggest tricks. And, and this is something with First Blood particularly, mm. where if you look at First Blood, you know, I kind of have Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman, I kind of say what's been happening to them. You know, mm-hmm. like there's yeah. a mention of Supercore, a bunch of these elements. I wanted it to be that if you have been reading, and this is always the case when you're doing these types of stories, it's like if you've been reading things since Dark Crisis, mm-hmm. you're going to get something out of the story. You're going to see where these things are going. You're going to see some of these elements coming together. If you have not been reading Dawn of DC yet and you decide to just pick up right here, you mm-hmm. also get the information you need to start here. Nice. You know, I wanted it to be built like that. And that was also part of why Superman, Batman, and Warner really made sense to bring it back to that question because it's like, the wider audience knows who those characters are. Mm-hmm. Like if I had started this event off where it was like just a dead man story, mm-hmm. just a dead man thing, I think the wider audience would probably have maybe a little bit of disconnect. But with this, you get to have dead man plus you get to have the characters that they know and love. So all those ideas went into making this. So it does definitely feel like a bridge between before and after. You nice. know, and it's definitely gonna be something that like you know, there's stuff that's going to happen in the fall. There's stuff that's going to happen in the winter that is 100% connected to this. Mm-hmm. And that'll become really apparent once you get to the ending that like certain people take advantage of the situation that will impact stuff later in the years. Nice. Speaking of before, is there any story arc or events that's happened in the past that would be a good thing for someone to pick up and read before they they jump into Night Terrors? I know Night Terrors is going to be like a jumping on point itself. But if someone was like, I want more, is there any story arc out there that they could read? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you know me, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. When, when I'm working on these books, it's like I'm pulling from all kinds of continuities. Like, there's elements of Dark Crisis. There's elements of Lazarus Planet and Batman versus Robin that play into this. There's also elements from, uh, you know, Brightest Brightest Day that mm-hmm. play into this because of Dead Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once you start getting into it, you know, if I'll just say like if you've read if you've read Sandman Mystery Theater you will get something out of this, you know, Ooh, like, like we, re- we revisit that, you know, we revisit those stories because of what's been going on with, you know, it's not a secret, like on the covers, Wesley Dodds is on the covers. So yeah. it's like, you know, there's an element of him and, and how 
all this stuff with insomnia and the nightmare stone it actually connects back to like a case that wesley he feels like he failed Mm -hmm. and it's like the case that got away you know it's the case that haunted him Mm -hmm. and so that that plays into this too so if you're a fan of that you might get something more from this you know so i mean there's definitely a lot of little pieces and you can kind of see it as you go but at the same time you know i I think it's important to make it feel like it's very now and you don't have to read those things you know i mean that's one of the best parts i think of like comics is that like and this is what it was when i was a kid too you know you pick up a book and it's like if you're able to pick that book up and understand what's happening and you start pick up that story to start going but then you had years and years and years of books you could pick up to get more of that context and more of that depth and i try to put that in my work where it's like yeah if you've because it is part of this massive universe it's weird because you don't want to ignore it like you don't want to ignore the universe because it's part of it you can Mm -hmm. use it as tools to help you tell the story right yeah to use that rich history and kind of reflect on it yeah yeah um howard porter's art once again fabulous and in this in this issue though i I got the sense that it was a little rougher uh compared to like shadow war did did was that a direction by you or is it a a decision by him because i think i'm right about that yeah it is rougher it's 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 howard is a big horror fan and actually, if you go and look at the times that Howard has done horror stuff, like he actually has done a couple of horror shorts, with Keith Giffen at DC, like little eight pagers and 10 pagers. And he would always do them a little rougher. Mm. You know, I think he was going for something. So with this, we were talking about it. We were like, listen, we're going to try to get away with some stuff. Like we're going to try to push <laughs> the age rating. You know, we're going to try and push that teen plus PG-13 realm a little bit. But that's going to mean some kind of trickery, you know, it's going to involve the like, it's what you don't see that, you you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we're like, we still want you to see it. Like, we want you to see a couple bits here and there. And so we started having all these conversations about what the book was going to be like and how it would be different from what we've seen before. Because, you know, we had just done Bane together because mm-hmm. he went from Bane into this immediately. Like, I mean, he basically finished. He took off like a week or two because it was the holidays and he started this. Um you know, we, we wanted it to have a different feel from things like that have come before. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have a little bit of a, a rough around the edges kind of horror vibe to it that I think you can get away with with horror. So, yeah, it was definitely like a, a conscious thought of making it a little rougher and a little dirtier to kind of play in with the the theme of it, you know, the tone of the horror that we were going for. There's a, I'm not going to spoil it, really, but there's a point where someone vomits. <laughs> uh and it just looks so rad like i I just i stared at it for so long like what's happening there um yeah it's funny in the script it was supposed to be batman ripping that thing without getting spoiled ripping it out of his own mouth and then i think yeah and howard and i were going back and forth and and howard was like i got it i think i got it nice and i was like okay cool and then howard turns it in and both me and ben abernathy were like oh my god that is amazing like it's just such a (laughs) it really made it so much more like visceral looking you know it made it so much more extreme you Mm -hmm. know yeah yeah i gave it it gave it that weight that I think it, it needed in that moment because part of the book, the thing about this book, I've been trying to walk that balance uh-huh. of like, it's still a superhero story. Right. It's still a horror, but like my favorite kind of horror is always has dark humor in it. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a big Sam Raimi fan, you know? So you look at a lot of Sam Raimi stuff where it's like, you look at uh, drag me to hell or drag me to hell is really yeah. horrific, but it's also just like gross. It is a gross yeah. movie. <laughs> and it's really funny. Like that's a movie that you see in the theater and everyone in the audience is having reactions to stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Everyone is cringing or yelling or, you know? And I was with this. I wanted that same kind of feeling. Like, I nice. remember seeing Army of Darkness in the theater and just having these reactions to some of the stuff that was happening in it, you know? And, and uh, you know, watching Evil Dead on VHS with, like, my buddies and just, you're, you're, you're grossed out, but you're laughing at the same time. I feel like that is some of the best, like, kinds of horror where it's, that tension release is always a thing mm, I'm looking for in all yeah. horror, right? Like, it's I like, look for that. Like, it's like the sweet and salty at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want that. I want that element of, like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. And then you get that release and you laugh about it. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God, that was so ridiculous. You know, I, I think one of the best uh, horror movies I saw last year was Barbarian. Oh, so good. And I... I wish I had seen it in the theater because everyone I know who saw it in the theater, they said it was one of those movies where everyone was just reacting constantly, mm-hmm. constantly. Uh, I watched it by myself and I definitely here in my house by myself was like, what the fuck? Like mm-hmm. multiple times. Yeah. And so that's what the stuff I look for when I'm doing horror stuff. And, and 
you know, when I was doing Nailbiter, Mike and I had this thing where we always try to gross each other out. Mm-hmm. Like we were always trying to mess with each other a little bit, you know? That's like, funny. I knew what his things were. He knew what mine are, you know? So we were, like, always trying to mess with each other a little bit um, to push each other. And I think it made it a better book and it added the fun of it. And that's the same thing here where it's, like, just trying to have fun with each other and push Howard and just kind of see what I get away with. That was also <laughs> a piece of this. <laughs> How That's far funny. can I push some of this horror? And I, I definitely have had moments where I've, I've had to be like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, let's see what it looks like. And then we were able to do it. So there's definitely some horror stuff coming up that is, is a little brutal, but because of the magic of comic books, we can, mm. we can do it. The freaking covers, man. Like they belong in a museum. Oh, They're s- gorgeous and disgusting and disturbed. Like, I can't yeah, even imagine dude, what's going to be in the interiors. I feel like everyone really got it and they were really inspired. And I think all the artists really started going for it. You know, I think really early on, I mean, that was one of the things like when the arts are coming in. I was just like, dude, yeah, people are, the artists are having a lot of fun. I told the story mm-hmm. earlier. Um, one of the things that was fun about this event was finding out how many people love dead man, mm-hmm. because I heard this story. Ben told me the story where like one of the artists, he, is, he, got, he gave him a job. He was like, I want you to draw dead man cover great i love dead man and they started uh drawing it in the studio they're in a studio with a bunch of other artists and the other artists in the studio were like what are you drawing are you drawing dead man and they were he's like yeah i'm doing it for a cover and they were like okay and then they emailed ben to be like can i also do a cover like i would also like to draw dead man so it's it's a, a thing with this event where i think a lot of people really started having fun with it i mean you look at dan mora like dan mora designed a lot of the stuff like you know he designed that young bruce wayne mm-hmm. with the back gun that comes out of his mouth and stuff That's like he rad. designed that and i yeah, I think he was just having fun, you know? He really yeah, yeah. got it. Like, I remember writing all this stuff up and being like, that was one of the biggest challenges was like, you know, we've seen evil Batman. Yeah, yeah. So how do I make Bruce different? Right. You know, where right, it's right. not necessarily evil, but it's still scary. Like, how do I do that? Right. I remember really early on, I was like, well, he'll be, he'll be young Bruce. And I remember at the time in the documents, it was like talking about what like the nightmare versions of somebody's character were. Mm-hmm. And then with Bruce, I was like, well, he's just a kid. And so the document, I think it just said, like, well, he kind of is creepy. He's a kid, but he's kind of creepy. And then Dan Mora was like, I'm going to show you and just <laughs> elevate it like crazy. And that's when we have that design. We have bloody hands, back right. gun, all that stuff. Like, all that really came out of Dan Mora just being like, I like horror. I like this. I can do this. And just knocking it out. It's like, it gives me, like, Omen vibes or something. The Omen? I think it's the Omen. Yeah, it definitely is that. Yeah, it definitely is that. That's really funny. Josh, too. with your roots in horror, like, has it all been leading to this at DC Comics? <laughs> to bring your uh, sensibilities to an event? <laughs> well, uh, no. I feel like I have more I want to do uh, with horror in general. Uh, and some really big ideas for horror that I want to do in general. But... Uh, ever since I got the job at DC back in 2015, yeah, uh, and I started working on Flash, I have been trying to put horror in a DCU this whole time. My original pitch for Flash was a bit more of a crime horror story originally. Like I had originally, I had originally, I've, I've talked about this before, but originally I had pitched like the uh, the first year of the book and then ideas for how it could continue. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I had pitched it, and the first arc was going to be a smaller story with Murmur. It was going to be a bit more of a smaller, like crime horror story, like CSI type story with uh, with Murmur and Barry. And then uh, when I pitched everything, I remember talking to them and being like, "Oh, the thing that they really loved was the stuff that started in the second arc, which was all the Speed Force Storm stuff." Mm-hmm. And so once we started really talking about it, that was the part they really loved. And so we ended up, I ended up never doing that story uh, and ever since then I, i've been always trying to find a place for it like how do i find a place for this horror stuff somewhere um so i'm glad we finally got to do a little bit with this nice uh have you had a chance to see the flash movie yet out of curiosity no uh, oh, okay no um yeah no i haven't seen it. i i know people have seen it i've heard a bunch of stuff but i haven't watched it yet it's yeah. so hard there's like glowing and then there's angry and i don't know what's real anymore but <laughs> that's the internet i guess there's um there's a line well, I asked the yeah. internet yeah that's the internet yeah it is it sure is. <laughs> has been for some time um there's a line in of dialogue in night terror's first blood and i need to know the answer to this question no sleep till gotham is this a beastie boy reference <laughs> 100 percent yes yes sweet all right of course of course it is I, i'm glad it's i'm glad you got it <laughs> i couldn't believe uh they used no i was worried other people would not get it 
Oh, really? Yeah, immediately I was like, oh shit, is he doing this? Um, no Sleep Till Brooklyn was used in Guardians and in Super Mario this uh, this year already. Like that, it's like on people's minds. And I, and I, dude, I wrote this so long ago yeah. that um, I 100% had that before before I saw Mario or Guardians. I mean, I wrote this back in like November of last year. Oh I wow! Think, so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we were yeah, we've been we've been plotting it. We started talking about this like last spring, and then it really heated up in the summer. And then, I mean, I was basically starting to work on this before Dark Crisis was over. Right. Um, you know, I remember I finished Dark Crisis and then wrote this immediately after. So it's been like nonstop. <laughs> You're nonstop, dude. Yeah. Green Arrow. We, anyway. I didn't even mention that before. Green Arrow on top of this, like, she's Louise. And you. And I think last time yeah. when we talked, when we were talking about Dark Crisis, you were saying like you're like you're discussing two years out events and stuff like that. So. I don't even know how you keep it all in your head. It's honestly yeah. impressive. I have a lot of whiteboards in my office. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's the other element. There's a lot of whiteboards. I have it in the new office. I have a giant whiteboard that's like the size of a wall. It's like the whole wall. Oh, nice. Um, so that's 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 very helpful. Very cool. Like I had one of the one of the editors came over here a few weeks ago, and he we used the whiteboard to basically talk about stuff going into 2025. So yeah, we nice. We definitely take advantage of those whiteboards. Yeah. Well, when I saw the tie-ins announced, I was impressed with just how big this this horror event is, is. And I'm it's really exciting that a big two company is doing going all in on a horror thing like this. And after reading Night Terror's First Blood, I think you have something really special here. And I'm I'm excited for, for the rest of the series to come out. Oh, thanks, man. Awesome, dude. That means a lot. I'm really glad you liked it. It's out July 4th, and FOC is this Sunday. Thanks so much for being on the AAPT Comics Podcast. Yeah.